welcome to Your Future in Finance, a podcast by AXR. We set up this podcast for young, up-and-coming professionals in the market to give them some insights into the thoughts and progression of executive finance leaders across the Australian market. Hey everybody, welcome to our first attempt at a podcast, hopefully not our last one, but we'll see. We're doing the Future in Finance podcast hosted by AXR. Um, I'm a consultant here, my name's Callum Jones-Bray and I'm with my colleague Rick Jacobson. Hey guys, welcome. Um, glad to be on time today. Uh, <laughs> You're really late. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. <laughs> um, really excited to, to share this program with you all. Um, we're bringing in some really great finance professionals um, around from around Australia, and uh, it should be an interesting journey. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to giving some insights back to the people who we do a lot of work with ourselves, Rick, of some of the executives that we've worked with, and, and obviously the young up-and-coming people can, can hear their journeys and, and what they've taken from it, you know? Today, our first guest is Joanne Lee. She's had a really interesting career. She started off with the big four in transaction services and mergers and acquisitions. From there, she went into CBA, then into a, a large mining business, and uh, more recently has, has done M&A work with Jetstar and Woolworths. Uh, right now, she is merging two of the largest government department, um, Look forward to hearing more. Yeah, Rick, really interesting listen with Joanne. Um, really good insights into an interesting career across multiple industries, very different dynamics that she's worked in. Without further ado, over to our Associate Director, Matt Crossley, who conducted the interview with Joanne. So, excellent. And so, Joanne, how about you introduce yourself and give us a brief overview of your career today? Sure. My name is Joanne Lee. Um, I'm the Finance Director and Business Partner uh, with the Department of um, Communities and Justice. Um, so I'm not sure if you've got you know, many speakers in the past who have come from the public service, um, but for me, um, most of my career has been with the private sector and um, yeah, just more recently, about two and a half years um, with the public service. Yeah, so kind of happy to share um, my career journey with yourselves. Um, really, I guess there's no, um, there is no you know, one path uh, for career, I'm sure you know. As each of you would know, um, each of us chart our you know, our own paths. And yeah, for me, I'm just happy to kind of share you know what I've been through and, and my career journey today. So, so with your moves at CBA, um, what you constantly had questions. So, what, what what do you think you do differently individually to get, bring your yourself to decision makers' minds? Like you seem like you, if you look at your entire career, you can get moves, but in CBA, you had a, a good couple, couple of quick moves. So, what, what do you think you do differently than your peers to get that next role internally because you sort of got these consistent nine months here and 12 months here in, within organisations where you've been promoted. So what, yeah. what, what do you think you do there? Um, I think at CBA, um, I got nominated for a few awards. You know, didn't win any of them, but <laughs> I really mattered. I can't even remember what they were about, to be honest. I think the key is really being able to um, bring insights to the organisation. and insights which were actionable to the business they could see um, you know you adding value to, to them and being able to present well and uh, to tell a story using numbers to tell a story so because i was able to do that for netbank um, i was asked to deliver insights and analysis for um, um, the areas which were managed by my peers and then subsequently i was asked to deliver insights for the branch network, which was actually managed by my boss's peer. 
Um, so then I stepped to the next layer up, effectively doing analysis and insights for all the branch, all, all the um, channels to the market for, for the retail bank. So I think it's just, yeah, you know, doing well with what you've been given the responsibility to do and then, you know, the other opportunities have just come along. Yeah, and did you actively seek these opportunities or is it, is it just, just you, through your hard work, you were doing well and then um, and then, and then, then they came, came your way? Not at CBA, so I didn't actively pursue that, but I had a manager who, um, you know, really valued my work. And having those managers are really important who will be your advocate. Um, I think regardless of whether you've got a manager who looks after your career or not, um, you know, each of our responsibilities is just to do well in what they do. Um, and if those uh, managers come along, it's, it's fantastic. And I was very fortunate to have someone like that. Um, so he said, you know, I see you're doing well. Let me just expand your scope. Why don't you do that for the rest of everything under my portfolio? And then after that, he showed my work to his boss. He said, well, why don't you do the work for all the branch network as well? Um, yeah. So I think yeah. I was fortunate to have a manager. So, so with MMG, what, what, what were the things? Because you know, that, that full-on corporate finance beast... What, what, were the, what were the things, what were the biggest benefits and challenges from that, that aspect of your career there? Oh, that's, I, think, I think at MMG, the list of benefits were really long. I, I think everything ticked the box for me. Um, it was a very acquisitive organisation, just flush with cash from China. Um, oftentimes, you don't get an organisation which just has the shareholder mandate and the financing to get things done. And if $1.3 billion was small, I'd be like, wow, that's fantastic. Um, so, you know, and it was in, it was in group finance, I had um, never worked in treasury or strategic planning before, but I had, you know, valuation, you know, skills, I understood all that, I could build models. Um, so I think it just really ticked all the boxes for me and, you know, direct access to the executive team as well, because being in, corp being in you know, the group function, um, the CFO's office is just like 50 metres away. Um, the head of business development and strategy is another 50 metres away. Um, so having that, and there are not many global mining companies which were based in Sydney and Melbourne. And that's why it's really quite hard to find. Um, you know, that's one big thing. Um, it's afforded me a great lifestyle. Um, and I think I discovered that I love strategic planning because it really helped us think long term. My role was to look at everything from three years out to the end of life of the mine. So, and not anything, you know, one to three years as the group FP&A team. So my role was anything from three years um, further out. So it's really working on the more strategic work with group strategy, business development, M&A. Um, so, you know, I, I really couldn't think of a lot of things that I didn't like about the role, um, except I guess it was just, yeah, from the personal value. How do you feel you get accurate long-term planning when there's so many sure. challenges to the whole concept? It's just starting with information that you know. And in mining, it's, um, you know, of course we don't know everything. And yes, you're right, it's a, gets a bit more crystal balling as you go further out. But there's more information we know than we don't really. And um, you know, for example, you know, start with all the operations that we've got, all our you know deposits, we could model them out, all our obligations, um, and just looking at the capacity for each of our assets, when we would hit capacity, when we had to reinvest to increase our capacity. Um, and if we overlay all that together, we can see how the organization's profile shifts, you know, from a zinc type of, you know, from a from an organization with more zinc exposure, we become more of a copper exposure. Uh, at what point in time do we need to make a massive acquisition to sustain? Um, if we talked, if I talk to say um, the you know, operational excellence team, we can work out what the productivity improvements we can make with certain investments. Um, 
And if I spoke to the exploration team, we could, you know, project out. Um, exploration gets a little bit, you know, more fuzzy. Project out, you know, where we felt the um, the potential was in terms of finding new deposits. But I would put a huge amount of a huge discount on that. Um, but there's really a, a huge amount of information that we you would know we we know by just you know building the model step by step. It's, um, and it would it would give us a range. So you know. When speaking to the banks, I would go with the most conservative valuation to make sure that when I'm speaking to the banks, we can meet debt covenants. If we're going to make an acquisition, um, you know, I already projected out what sort of debt covenants we could um, agree to, or, you know, um, and also how much debt we could take on. Um, you'd be surprised at what we know, and it's not about getting, you know, valuations and, and projections. It's not about getting it accurate. It's about getting a range of a, you know, this is a range. As long as the range is not this which then becomes um, useless. You give a range of this, you can work within that. And if I'm talking to analysts, I may not go with the most conservative assumption. If I'm talking to sell-side and buy-side analysts, I might talk to some of our potential. Um, so it just depends on the stakeholders. Yeah. If I'm talking to shareholders, it'd be different as well. Yeah, well, fair enough, that makes sense. And I know you loved your time at Jetstar, even though it was brief. What, what did you love about Jetstar? Um, Jetstar was great in the sense that um, I had uh, exposures to bosses and customers who were from top tier um, uh, management consulting firms. Um, it really kept me on my toes. I had worked for more than 10 years and I was telling Matt that interestingly enough at that point in time I felt really quite challenged in terms of my knowledge and being able to pick things up really quickly. So that's what I learned from working with um, bosses that came from management consulting firms. Um, I also love the fact that the business was very data-driven, uh, very fact-based. So, you know, decisions were made taking emotions out uh, to the extent possible. You know, the facts and the data really helped us to take the emotion out of making decisions. And, um, yeah, I think it's just, you know, a, a role which was, you know, global, you know, in, in, in reach and, you know, having exposure to different cultures and working with CFOs from different countries. Um, I, I just loved that that stretch um, and it was very fast-paced I learned so much from just you know yeah working with my bosses got to a point whereby if I could anticipate and respond to their queries then I would pat myself on the back going I've done pretty well Joanne you've been really lucky to work across so many different sectors um, how have you found the cultures from financial services to mining to FMCG to now government what what's it like and, and you clearly adapted really well and picked, picked things up quickly but from a culture perspective for the people in the audience what's what are the main differences that you found um culture is very different depending on which organization you're in um yeah you know environment where they're just bankers very different to environment where it's, it's you know mining and you know miners or government. Um, I would say that culture is also very much, especially in the large ones, because I've had the opportunity to work in really large organisations, uh, it's culture is very, very much in pockets. Um, yes, there may be an organisational culture, but even the team and the, in the sub-team that you're working in will have its own culture. But yes, um, I, I it's absolutely, they're distinctly different and um, I would say that being able to adapt to them 
isn't um, overly <coughs> difficult, even though yes, they are different, is you know, being able to bring um, your strengths um, to, to the equation and say that yes, the culture is this way, but I have the ability to influence that change, at least even in my immediate team. Um, and if I had the opportunity to you know, work with peers or develop, build my own team, I can influence the culture just in this space. Um, and of course, there are constraints within the, the broader environment, but I, I have, it has never really been a deal breaker for me. How do you assess a career, career opportunity when, you, when you're looking at multiple, multiple roles? Um, I guess a few things. Um, yeah, for me, I sort of know the space that I like to operate in. Um, but at the same time, um, either I play to my strengths or I consciously make a decision that I want to grow and get exposure to an area that I haven't got. Um, if you can find um, one that kind of ticks both, love it and yet gives you enough exposure to something new, fantastic. Um, but yes, if you're not doing something that you absolutely love and enjoy, then just be very conscious about why you're there and how long you want to be there. You know, I want to get you know, exposure in treasury or investor relations and I hate it. Let me just do it for a year and a half or whatever it is for you. Um, and, and for me, I um, always look out for roles which are influential, um, can I, that I can actually influence the direction of you know, that, that area. Um, because I don't really enjoy compliance, it's important, I get it. And yeah, but I sort of know the space that I really enjoy and you know, to the extent that I've got a new opportunity where I go, okay, you know, to be a CFO, this is what I'm missing, then yes, I might actively pursue that as my next thing. And finally, um, your three pieces of advice for um, all these aspiring finance leaders of tomorrow? Um, three pieces of advice. The first one would be um, just always um, learn, just always just, you know, continuous learning is a, you know, daily thing. Um, it doesn't stop. As we know now, you know, things just progress really quickly. So I guess just never stop learning. Um, ask questions. I think that the good leaders are the ones who just know the right questions to ask. Always be curious, be open to learning and knowing that it's a lifelong thing. Um, don't, you know, um, try not to stay, try not to be overly comfortable. Try to stretch yourself, always seek out new experiences. Um, so I find that that um, helps in, in, in always the next um, door that opens. And I guess the second one is, yeah, about you know, work and life. Because um, having a good work-life balance gives um, uh, gave me the right perspective. Again, back to the example of when I have a crappy day at work, it's all in perspective. It's not the end of the world. Um, so I think that's that's really important. And the last one I would say, um, yeah, just be open to to new opportunities. Take risks. Um, it's okay to um, try something different. Um, you know, generally work out the the general direction in which you want to head, but you know, don't overthink it, don't overplan it, don't be overly rigid, um, give it a go. And I found that taking risks is, you know, um, being more valuable than not taking risks. And otherwise you always wonder, what if I had given it a go? Um, what's the worst that could happen? You go, yeah, it's not something I enjoy, you can go back to what you were doing before. So yeah, I'd say keep an open mind, take risks, give it a go. So guys, that was Joanne Lee's career today. I hope you enjoyed the listen. I know I did. And we'll be back next time where we've got Claire Newey, the financial controller of Google across the ANZ region. Hope to hear from you then. See ya, bye. Ciao.